Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time, a weekly podcast brought to you by the sports team here at Radio New Zealand. I'm Clay Wilson and this week we hear from the principal of an Auckland boys college whose first 15 rugby team are facing a boycott from 10 rival schools because of player poaching allegations. We also find out why people running the sport of parkour are so angry, talk to the history-making national under-17 women's footballers and hear about the women's sevens team's latest accolade. A leading Auckland rugby college insists it's playing by the rules, despite allegations of player poaching. Ten rival Auckland secondary schools and eight other North Island schools have agreed to boycott playing matches against the St Kentigans College First 15 next year. St Kentigans have admitted five senior players from First 15s around the country will be bolstering its squad in 2019. But Principal David Hodge told Brenton Van Nisselrooy they strongly believe they haven't done anything wrong. The competition is run under the auspices of College Sport in Auckland and they set the the rules and they set the bylaws. All we can do as as St Kentigan is to completely abide by those bylaws and we have. We haven't been charged by College Sport or or, um, anybody with contravening the rules and um, it's up to College Sport um, to determine whether they run the code or or whether a group of schools run the code. This is very much an ethical debate though, isn't it? Well, yes, there's um, there's, uh, ethics on all sides but again, I go back to the point that College Sport have studied the, the ethics They've uh, amended the rules a number of times over over the years in order to create um, what they believe is is both a fair playing field but also a top quality, sustainable first uh, 15 competition in Auckland. We're guided by them. We're more than guided by them. We we, we uh, um, you know absolutely adhere to whatever they tell us is the requirement, and that, and that's what we do. So do you feel in some ways the, the, the other schools are trying to punish you for, for what is some ways thinking outside the box and you know working within the, the rules that college sport Auckland rugby set you? I believe that they're punishing us because we have a tremendous player development program which extends way, behind, way beyond rugby. Um, because of that, we get huge numbers of, of aspiring young men wanting to come here we accept uh, a few, and other schools don't like that. And I understand that, but um, the problem for us is we can make a huge difference in, in, in the lives of these young men, and should we stop doing that? But David, recruiting players from other first 15s, especially of the calibre of the likes of Napier boys, is that really development? 
Well, they they come they come for a variety of reasons. They approach us because they believe that what we offer their their family believes that what we offer the young man is incredibly important um, and valuable to them, and it's what they want for their for their child. So I'm not I'm not going to make a judgment on that. And it sits comfortably with you and I am the school recruiting players from uh, other first fifteens around the country. We, well, we don't, we don't, we don't actively recruit players from anywhere. We 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 simply we 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 accept applications to come to the college, and we we um, have dozens and dozens of applications every year. Um, and, and of those, we we take um, a handful. David, when are you expecting this to be resolved? Well, I've asked um, College Sport to um, to get involved, and to and it's you know it's their competition. They set they set the rules. Um, they determine um, those rules based on on what's ethical. And I've asked them to to intervene. I've also asked the um, New Zealand um, you know rugby union to um, get involved. They have uh, obviously the best interests of um, aspiring young rugby players at heart, and I'm sure between them, um, they they will move to. I mean, I think everybody wants to see this resolved satisfactorily, and um, we hope that it will be. And how do you patch things up with the the other schools, David? Well, they've instigated this. Um, we've assured them, given them absolute assurance, that we abided by by all of the rules and regulations. We understand why they're there. We we've absolutely done that. Um, we've asked if they've got any any evidence to the contrary to table it. They haven't, and that's very very disappointing. St Kentigan's College Principal David Hodge talking to Brenton Van Nisselroy. Sometimes known as free running, parkour is typically a street sport which also involves jumping, scrambling, and climbing. And plenty of that looms after the global governing body for gymnastics voted this week to run the code and eventually take it to the Olympic Games. The move has angered parkour bosses, who are comparing it to a hostile takeover and say gymnastics is trying to annex their sport. The chief executive of New Zealand parkour, Damien Puddle, is one of those bosses. And he told sports editor Stephen Hewson he can't believe the situation is even taking place. That's the absolutely ridiculous thing is that there's sort of no system in place that protects us. I mean, it seems absolutely ludicrous that anyone could just decide that uh, that they're now in charge of you. Um, but that's exactly what they've just done at their Congress in Azerbaijan. They put a vote to all their national gymnastics federations, so not parkour federations, but gymnastics ones, asking, is it okay for us to be in charge of parkour now? Um, and the vote went through as a yes. Um, so it's the, same as, it's the same as tennis taking control of badminton because it's another racket sport. Um, but parkour is um, just unfortunate because we're younger and, and not as, um, I guess, set up um, as they are. So does that mean you need to get international recognition from the IOC or whoever? Is that going to stop that? Well, sure. So certainly if we had already had IOC recognition, um, 
that Olympic network and international sports federations kind of protect each other. Um, but uh, we're fairly certain that uh, the IOC themselves um, have been pressing on FIG to bring uh, parkour under their remit. Um, so we don't think that they're actually really that interested in helping us because they want parkour at the Olympics. They want um, the funding that that will bring an increase in broadcast revenue because of its popularity. Um, and that's what they've been doing with basically every other action sport to date. Um, only, um, only rock climbing and surfing um, have been brought in under their own international federations, but snowboarding is under skiing, BMX and mountain biking are under cycling, uh, skateboarding has been uh, merged um, kind of against their will in some ways uh, with the International Roller Sports Federation to create World Skate, um, and windsurfing and kite surfing have been pulled into sailing. So, <laughs> Which some would say would benefit them. Certainly. I mean, if they, they are a um, more established federation, you know, there's the arguments about already having the, their ducks in a row, have more more funding and, and things like that. But one of the biggest things, particularly for action sports, is that there's, there's really important values and cultural um, histories and realities that don't fit the models of these more traditional sports bodies um, and those sports themselves. If you look at gymnastics versus parkour, one is inside, uh, rigid, precise, rule-bound, um, whereas parkour is outdoors, free flow, um, open to interpretation. You know, you, you look at when does a gymnast stop training is, is, can be, is pretty young, whereas parkour is is fully open for people to interpret. So there's there's people there's people training from toddlers up into their 90s um, all around the world, and that is not <laughs> that is not gymnastics. So you're not necessarily ruling out a possible amalgamation, for another word, with the FIG, but simply the fact that they've steamrolled this. Well, that's right. We're not we're not anti gymnastics. We're not uh, we don't hate gymnastics as a sport. We don't hate the community or its its practitioners or anything like that. But we're not being we're given no choice in in the matter, which is ridiculous. You know, if if we, give us time, give the parkour community globally time to uh, you know set up its national bodies, um, bring them under parkour earth, and have a conversation and say, hey, actually, yes, we would like parkour to go to the Olympics and we'd like to do it under FIG, let's go for it. But at the moment, there's no choice has been given um, and um, they've received no mandate of, from which to take parkour under them, but they've done it anyway. Given your, your comments there around parkour and its values and, and, and where it's developed from, being part of the Olympics may not be an appeal to the sport or those involved in it anyway? Correct. I mean, as I said before, it's a very diverse um, activity. And so there are, although it is not a traditionally competitive sport, it shares things with the likes of skateboarding and snowboarding and surfing, where the majority of people who participate do it recreationally and are not interested in competitive sport. Um, however, there are community-driven competitions and people that are, do like the idea of competitions, and so um, we do um, support those, but that's not our focal point. So there's some people that are interested in the Olympics, um, it, it, but pr predominantly it's something that they're interested in eventually if um, the parkour community was able to make that decision themselves rather than having that choice um, forced upon them.
That was New Zealand Parkour Chief Executive Damien Puddle speaking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. The magnitude of their World Cup bronze medal is finally starting to sink in for the New Zealand under-17 women's football team. The history-making team arrived back in the country early on Tuesday morning. Returning from Uruguay as the first New Zealand team to ever reach the final four at a World Cup for the world's biggest sport. Before saying their goodbyes, the players spoke about the keys to their success and what lay ahead after such a stunning result. Arms linked in a tight circle after arriving home from Uruguay this morning, the New Zealand under-17 women's football team gathered for one final celebratory chant before parting ways. It was a reflection of a tight team bond that had been so obvious as they held off Canada on Sunday to clinch their country's first World Cup bronze medal. And midfielder Maya Hahn says that togetherness had been crucial to that history-making performance. We all feel comfortable with each other and get along well and then on the field we're like super supportive, like we're one team, it's not the bench and the starters, it's like the bench is supporting the starters throughout and then everyone's sort of on board with the concepts and everything and I think the fact that we have support for each other and we're willing to give 100% all the time, that's definitely the underlying reason why we've gotten so far. The team have rightly earned plenty of plaudits for their outstanding efforts. So much so, they were in more demand upon arrival than Kiwi boxing star Joseph Parker who touched down in Auckland less than an hour later, ahead of his latest fight in Christchurch next weekend. Hahn says all the adulation was still taking some getting used to. It's pretty surreal, I mean, we've been away for like over a month now, and it's pretty crazy, it's nice to hear the accent again, and like the positive reception's been pretty unreal, definitely not expected, especially because it was such a, I guess, a surprising result for us, but yeah, it's, it's super cool. Just reaching the semi-finals had well exceeded their initial goal to simply get out of their pool. Forward Maggie Jenkins, one of two team members to already have played for the senior national women's side, says what it meant to have a bronze medal hanging from her neck could not be understated. The medal's just amazing, like it just means everything, like it's a memory that we're just going to have forever and ever and I just treasure this moment so much and I think everyone on the team is really enjoying this so much and I can't wait to hang it on the wall. <laughs> Coach Leon Burney says the impact of their achievements was already being felt. The amount of emails I've had from people that you know I've met or not met and just saying oh, my daughter now wants to be like Kelly Brown and scoring out the box or we're definitely playing football next year. It's been incredible, like, it's been so touching and it's just really good to see. While he's still in celebration mode for now, Burney believes it's key football in this country capitalises on his team's success. After a troubled period which included the resignation of Football Ferns coach Andrea Seraf, Bernie hopes this can be a launching pad to take New Zealand football back to brighter times. You've got some great role models here that are spread right across the country. Like, utilise those, utilise the next year when junior football starts, get them down to junior football day and registration day and get their profile out there and, and keep inspiring the next group of players or the younger players to come in. And I think that's the important part that we need to do now, not just it ends here, like carry that momentum on. As for his own players, Bernie says success at the Under-20 World Cup and beyond is well within their reach. Hahn already has a scholarship locked in at the University of Oregon, while star goalkeeper and elite is returning home via America 
with the hope of joining her teammate in a US collegiate system. Despite being the youngest member of the team, Macy Fraser knows exactly what this success means for every player in the squad. Honestly, I think it's inspired the whole team. Like, we never thought in a little country like New Zealand would place in the top three at a World Cup. So, yeah, it's a big part of, like, I guess the next things that will come for us. A much-needed reason for New Zealand football fans to once again be looking forward with optimism. Moti Hotaka o nei, ko Clay Wilson aho. The high-flying New Zealand women's seven side put themselves alongside some of the country's greatest ever athletes this week. Winners of Commonwealth Games gold and a World Cup crown this year, the team were named the 2018 winners of the New Zealand Olympic Committee's top award, the Lonsdale Cup. The side has only lost one game this calendar year and is on a 39-match winning streak. Team members Tanika Willison and Niall Williams brought the trophy into RNZ's Auckland studios this week where they spoke to Morning Report's Guy and Espiner about what the latest accolade meant to the squad. Yeah, it's a big privilege for our team to um, have our name alongside these, I guess, um, superstars and the best talent we have in New Zealand. Um, we always strive for greatness and, um, yeah, I guess when your name's alongside the likes of Valerie Adams and Lisa Carrington, I guess we've done pretty well. Yeah, uh, Tanika, what, what were your thoughts about joining that sort of list and how did you feel last night when you were part of this? Um, yeah, uh, it was quite overwhelming to be um, in a room full of talented New Zealand athletes and the best of the best, I guess. Um, but yeah, quite humbling. Uh, yeah, the girls are pretty pretty excited to um, have brought that home the, the cup and uh, I think just moving forward is just to carry on what we're doing. But um Better, I guess. Yeah, what does it mean uh, to get something like this and to get the recognition in terms of, I don't know, the momentum and the publicity around the game? Yeah, um, it's awesome for us. You know, um, we get a lot of trophies when we go around the world, but there's nothing quite like um, getting recognition from your own people. Um, so this trophy means a lot for us, and I guess just with, um, with our events that we've been winning we get a little bit more publicity and for us that's great because it means you know everyone gets to see what we do out there um, on the world so- uh, world stage and um, for us it's about growing the game um, not just for New Zealand rugby but for um, young girls and boys who want to play rugby who aspire to be professional um, rugby players too. Yeah, yeah and you talk about uh, professionalism and it is fully professional now I mean you guys are able to to do this full time aren't you? You're supported enough to do that? Yeah 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 definitely um um, Niall mentioned earlier that uh, you know, like it's we can live off, live off that we can pay mortgages. Um, if you have a house, which <laughs> <laughs> is not, not me, not me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that that means a lot, eh? It means that you don't have to 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 suck up the time that you would have been putting into improving your game with with running off and 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 trying to support yourself on the side. So professionalism mean, means a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's quite. Um, Cool. Now that we're all based in Tauranga, um, we have a lot, a lot of time together to, I guess, build what we've already had, like been building in the past years. But to come together as a team is definitely something I think um, has helped us improve a lot more. And where is um, where are the goals now? I mean, you've won this, uh, and where are your sights now? 
Yeah, I guess 2018 has been um, an amazing year for our team. You know, winning two pinnacle events and um, just the winning streak we're on at the moment. So we want to take that momentum and head into 2019 um, being the best that we can. Um, we're going to take each tournament as it comes. So we've already won the first two legs out of the five, which is amazing. But obviously it's Olympic qualification year this year. So um, for us, it's about being the best, um, finishing on top and um, going, uh, getting seated in the Olympics um, in the best possible position that we can be. So um, we're ticking all the boxes and we're going to bring home that gold from in the Olympics. Nice one. And how was the night last night? I mean, it sounded like a, a, a pretty glamorous affair and obviously, you know, you win silverware like that. Um, must have been a pretty big deal for you. How, how are your, um, the other team members and indeed your, your families, um, what's their reaction been? Yeah, well, I think for us, um, like I said earlier, the, the girls are real humbled to receive this award alongside um, all the big names that are on this trophy so I guess it's pretty exciting and pretty cool to know that our team is up there with the best of the best and I guess inspiring the, the next generation so it's pretty pretty humbling. Who gets to take that one home? Whose man- mantelpiece does that sit on? Oh this one has to stay oh, is it? Um, but we get like a little miniature replica of it um, nice. which is pretty cool so um, I guess for us it's not about the physical trophy, it's more so about um, the actual recognition of our team, um, which is what we carry carry through with us um, back home. And, yeah, all the girls are really proud, our families are really proud. And, um, yeah, we just strive to represent our country the best we can. And when we get um, awards like this, it just means so much, yeah. Morning Report host Guy and Espiner speaking to New Zealand women's sevens team members Tanika Willison and Niall Williams. Long-distance runner Perry Newburn has confessed he didn't run the length of the country in a record time and was driven on parts of his journey. The 64-year-old Newburn left Kaipurianga in the early hours of November 3rd and arrived in Bluff 18 days, 8 hours and 42 minutes later, claiming to have broken Siggy Bower's 40-year-old record for the 2,500-kilometre journey by 18 minutes. However, Newburn now says there were parts of the run where he was driven because it was too unsafe to run. He told sports editor Stephen Hewson, on reflection he feels compelled to tell the truth. Once my head was clearing, I suppose, at the end of it, it was, um, you know, that fatigue, that mind fog, that whatever. I looked at the whole thing and I said, no, nah, um, I can't claim that. There were parts of the, and looking at it clearly, there were parts of the run where conditions were totally unsafe to to run. I mean, just to name the odd one, I mean, there was a couple, the odd bridge here and there where long bridges, I mean, the, the Rakai Bridge down south, the Foxton Bridge um, in the North Island, they were unsafe to run. I felt totally unsafe and I wasn't going to risk anything. So, I, I mean, I made the calls to, to drive those parts. And at the end, when I thought about it clearly, I thought, no, nah, I can't claim any... Any record? How much of it do you think you drove? Um, it's hard to tell. And I mean, to be quite honest, at the end of the day, it didn't matter whether it was one k, a hundred k, a thousand k. To be quite honest, I got driven parts of it, and that's to me was all that mattered. I'll sit down and work out probably exactly how much at the end of the day. But again, that's to me is not important. It's about the integrity of the sport. About ten k, do you think? Uh, no, it's probably more than that. Um, but, yeah, again, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It's, um, at this point, I'll, again, I'll sit down and work it out properly. But Do you think you've deceived people? No, I don't 
don't think so. It's, um, I mean, I certainly didn't set out to deceive anyone. If I looked at my thinking processes in that last week with sleep deprivation, and uh, you know, I don't make any excuses or anything, but um, my thinking probably wasn't clear at the time. My thought processes probably weren't clear at the time. It's um, I was averaging probably three hours sleep a night for that whole whole period of time. Um, Maybe at the end I got caught up with the hike a little bit, um, not thinking properly. But you know I can't can't change that. All I can, all I did was I can change what I did afterwards and what I do in the future. So what got you to the point to to say that you hadn't run the whole distance? Well, once I started thinking clearly, um, I couldn't live with that at all. So I had to make that decision, and you know as a mind cleared, I. I said, okay, this is the way it is. This is the way it was. Um, I'm not claiming claiming any record. What feedback have you had from people in the in the wake of your announcement? I think people have been, you know, people. The feedback's been good. It's, um, you know, the feedback's been positive. It's, um, a lot of people have thanked me. They said, yeah, record or no record, it's, um, it's, it was about the charity. Some people have said, you know, we didn't give to the charity because you having a go at the record or we gave to the charity because we felt necessary to give to the charity because it's such a good charity. Negative feedback? You had any? No, I haven't actually. And, you know, people have different ideas and people have, yeah, their, their opinions and that's that's fine. It's, um, Do you think you'll give it another crack? <laughs> I don't think I'll give it another crack, no. I mean, I'd love to do charity runs in the future, but uh, taking the pressure off running huge amounts um, of distances each day and pushing a charity more so will be my emphasis in the future. That's the way I'm thinking at the moment anyway. Napier runner Perry Newburn, who has revealed he didn't run all the way from Cape Deanga to Bluff after all, but got a lift for part of the journey. And that's it for this week's Extra Time podcast. We welcome your feedback, which you can send through to us at sport at radionz.co.nz. To stay up to date with all the latest goings on in the sporting world, give us a follow on Twitter through our handle RNZ Sport and check us out on the web at radionz.co.nz forward slash sport. I'm Clay Wilson and from all of us here at RNZ Sport, have a great weekend and we'll catch up with you next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.